Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we ask your blessings as we <coughs> as we continue to worship you in this capacity of studying your word. We know that unless you sanctify it to our hearts, it will be just so many words. We pray that all that will be said will be in truth, thereby being, uh, we trust, honoring and praising unto Your name. And we ask that it might find lodging in the heart of all who hear. We are in desperate need of you at all times. So many times we go throughout our daily activities and if we're not careful we are caught up in what we're doing without much regard to you. We ask forgiveness for such laxity, for such indifference, and look forward to the day when we will be before you un without blame unreprovable. Those are words that we know the meaning of them. But when we think about standing before You without any blame, without any guilt, we don't even know how to comprehend that. We believe it. We look forward to it. But we know that in us, that is in our flesh, dwells no good thing. From, wound, from the top of our head to the crown of our feet, there's nothing but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores on every side. But we thank You for the righteousness of Christ that we trust has been imputed to our account. And judicially we are 
made whiter than snow. Now we ask as we look into your word that you would bless us and sanctify it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Come back to 1 John chapter 1, and we're looking at the last three verses where it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. There's hardly any other passage of Scripture that defines our depravity as much as these verses. Verse 7, we saw when we looked at it, talked about uh, the blood of Christ cleansing us from all sins. And we need to realize and know and constantly keep in mind that it is only by the blood of Christ that sins are forgiven. And yet, this verse reminds us that we currently have sin. That means right now, I have sin. Right now, you have sin. And though we are redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ and regenerated by the Holy Spirit and have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ, we are still sinners. We we have sin daily, hourly, minutely. Too often I hear people talking about uh, and as if <coughs> they uh, well said, well, I don't know that I've sinned today. And things of that nature. Well, the problem with that is that they are totally ignorant of their sinfulness. Everyone not only is a sinner by nature, but he has sin. He has sin. Anyone who denies his sinful nature as well as having sin is self-deceived. 
He cannot blame God for, the, for his not knowing that he is a sinner. And regardless of what he says or thinks, he has deceived himself if a man says, well, I, I, I don't have any sin right now. Uh, I may be, I may have some tomorrow, or I may, you know, I may get mad later, or I may do this, that, or the other. Though you may not be conscious of it, you are a sinner. Now, it is important to note that uh, in verse eight, you have sin in singular. In verse 9, you have sins in plural. And in verse 8, in the original language, the definite article is missing. And this indicates that, uh, that sin, that we have, that we are sinners by nature. We are sinners. And we have sin in us, and it's just waiting to be exposed and to express itself. Sin is there. We have sin. Romans five twelve talks about that when we you know that wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Period. We have that sinful nature and sin through Adam. Job says, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No, not one. I believe that's Job 14, uh, 1. But in other words, uh, if mom and daddy are sinners, the baby's a sinner. He's a sinner. And he's a sinner before he's born. David said in Psalm 51, In sin did my mother conceive me. The disciples traveling with our Lord uh, knew that there was an indication of a possibility of sin prior to birth, because when they came upon the blind man, they said, who did sin that this man was born blind? His parents or him? Jesus said, neither. He wasn't born blind because he was a sinner. He was born blind for the glory of God. But Jesus didn't say, well, y'all are mixed up. He couldn't have been a sinner before he was born. Yes, he was a sinner from conception. Sinner from conception. And so were we. And to deny this is to declare that the truth is not in us. I'm going to do some reading today. Uh, I hope uh, it's not too uh, boring from you, uh, to, for you. Uh, I'm not going to read everything that I have written down here, but uh, in... Uh, 1775, Augustus Toplady, who wrote, as many people know, the uh, sin, uh, the the song, uh, "Rock of Ages," and he wrote many others. But he 
printed. This comes from the one volume work, uh, one volume uh, uh, of the works of Top Lady that I have from pages 484 through 450. And he gave 448 questions and answers relative to the national debt in England at that time. And <coughs> he goes through many calculations here, and I won't read all of that, but uh, uh, I don't know if that would be interesting to you or not, but uh, the, the point is, he pointed out back then that the national debt of England would never be paid. That's in 1775. And their national debt wasn't anything like ours. In fact, he said, I will read some of it, supposing this debt to be only £130 million sterling at present, although it is much more, and that it was all to be counted in shillings, that a man could count at the rate of a hundred shillings per minute for twelve hours a day till he had counted the whole, how much time would it take in doing it? Ninety-eight years, 316 days, 14 hours, and 40 minutes. And he went on to talk about it that uh, <clears throat> if a man could carry a hundred pound weight from London to York, uh, how many men would it take It'd take 419,355 men to take the national debt. And then he said, uh, uh, when will the government be able to pay the principal? Not only the debt, but just the principal. He answered, when there is more money in England's treasure alone than there is at present in all Europe. And then when will that be? He said, never. <laughs> but he used that uh, premise of the national debt to show the spiritual indebtedness of man. And how that Man has sinned and is a sinner. And he said, uh, he asked, what is the moral law of God? He said, the transcript of His own most holy nature and standard of human purity and obedience. Then he says, will this law make any allowance for human infirmities or omit any abatement of the perfect conformity which it demands? It makes no allowance for the former. In other words, uh, the law is makes no allowance for man. He must either fulfill it or pay the consequences. He says, how does this appear? It appears from the undeniable current of Scripture where the language of the law is be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 48. 
Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians 3.10 The indispensable requisition is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Luke 10.27 Hence, in the eye of the law, and the estimation of the lawgiver, the rising of wrath are tantamount to murder. In other words, if you just get mad, that's equivalent to murder. And we know that from Matthew. The calling, <coughs> the calling any man a fool exposes us to the penalty of hell fire. And impure thoughts Bring us under the condemnation of actual adultery. Matthew five twenty two and 28. And then he talks about the breaking of the law, and he asks the question, supposing a person was to break the law but once in 24 hours, to how many would his sins amount in life of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80 years. If he has to fail a moral duty, or excuse me, if he was to fail a moral duty, but once in a day, his sins at 10 years of age would amount to 3,000 650. At 20 years of age, the catalog would rise to 7,300. At 30, 10,950. At 40, 14,600. At 50, to 18,250. At 60, 21,900. At 70, 25,550. At 80, 29,200. That's just one a day. And then he goes on and adds to that, uh, if a person were to double that, he gives uh, numbers for that. And... He goes on and he says, uh, then he gives it for uh, if a man sins uh, every hour, he gives the number. By the way, at 80, if you sin once an hour, uh, at the, by the end of 80, it'd be 700,800. But then he said, is there a single minute from the first of our existence <coughs> to the very, excuse me, <coughs> to the, well, <coughs> start again. Is there a single minute from the first of our existence to the very article of death, wherein we come up to the whole of that inward and outward holiness which God's all-perfect law requires? Most certainly not. In other words, 
the state that we see in at least one time every minute. And I believe that. And those of you who live long enough know who you are and what you are, you realize that too. You may not realize you are sinning, but we do. And we'll see, hopefully, as we go further. But supposing you only you see him once a minute. How many sins then is each of the human race guilty? Reckoning only at the rate of one sin for every minute. At ten years old, we are guilty of no fewer than five million two hundred fifty-six thousand sins. At twenty, ten million five hundred twelve thousand. At thirty, fifteen million five hundred and sixty-eight thousand. At forty, twenty-one million. 24,000. At 50, 26,280,000. At 60, of 31,536,000. 70, 36,792,000. At 80, 42,048,000. And then he goes on. He said, May we not proceed abundantly further yet? Sixty seconds go into a minute. Now, as we never in the present life rise to the mark of legal sanctity, is it not fairly inferable that our sins multiply with every second of our sublunary duration? It is too true. And in this matter, our dreadful account stands as follows. At ten years of age, each of us is chargeable with 315,036,000 sins. At twenty, with 630,720,000. At thirty, Nine hundred and forty six millions eighty thousand forty one thousand two hundred and sixty one million of course that'd be one billion two hundred and sixty one million four hundred and forty thousand at fifty with one billion five hundred and seventy six million and eight hundred thousand <coughs> At sixty, one thousand eight hundred ninety-two millions and sixty thousand. I'll just give his numbers. At seventy, two hundred and seven million and five hundred twenty thousand. At eighty, two thousand five hundred twenty-two millions eight hundred and eighty thousand. Then shall we be able to pay this immense debt? Never. Eternity itself so far from clearing us of the dreadful arrears, would only add to the score by plunging us deeper and deeper, even to infinity. Hence the damned will never be able to satisfy the justice of the Almighty Creator. 
And he goes on talking about the impossibility of us paying our debts. The impossibility of us paying our debts. <clears throat> but further than that, I want to read from a little book that I have that was printed. Uh, well, I don't know, didn't have the date here. Because Sin, Salvation, and Service, written by J.B. Moody. And he talks about the magnitude of sin. So far, with Top Lady, we've just been talking about a sin. This, that, or the other, whatever that sin may be. <clears throat> but Moody shows us the vastness of sin in many ways. And I, I've got more here than I can read, but I want to uh, try to get some of it. He said, after talking about the depravity of man to some degree, he said, now we turn our attention to sin, first in its extensiveness, and then in its intensiveness. Sin is transgression of law, not the law, but law, all law, social, civil, physical, mental, moral, and spiritual. See, so far we've just been talking about sinning against the moral law. That's what Top Lady was talking about. But there's all kinds of laws. Of course, every kind of law there is uh, uh, reverts back to the moral law. But <coughs> uh, we won't uh, go down that rabbit trail. The liar is liable to tell any lie. See, if a man is a liar by nature, you say, well, he only sinned when he lied. No, he's a, he's a liar. He's a liar before he ever tells a lie. You see that? He doesn't tell a lie to become a liar. He tells a lie because he's a liar. That is a liar by nature. <clears throat> All right, the liar is liable to tell any lie, the thief to steal anything, if there was nothing to hinder or to make them afraid. The principle is in them, and never, excuse me, and ever ready to operate. And were it not for the authorities ordained of God for restraint and punishment, there would be no difference between men and devils. And we've seen that in our lifetime where less and less restraint has been given to crimes committed and we've seen how crimes have just multiplied in our own lifetime. 
I remember reading, this is probably 40, maybe 50 years ago, a man was in jail for murder, and uh, it was right after, well, whenever we, our country uh, tried to abolish the death penalty, <clears throat> uh, but the man was in jail for murder, and he said if he knew he was going to be killed for murder, he would never would have committed the murder. So laws restrain men from sinning. He was a murderer by and it, by nature. He wanted to kill, but then he acted it out. But it's laws that restrain sin. Indeed, some places in some places the difference seems to be microscopical, despite all warnings and restraint. Sin is lawlessness. And that means antipathy to law. Sin despises governments or restraints. There is mutual hostility. Law is against sin and sin against law. And law will always triumph even though it has to slay the sinner. That is, if law is put into practice. But let me skip down. The life of the sinner is a life of sin. Sins of omission and commission cover the whole life of accountability. These do not operate in turns. They operate together. In every sin of commission, there are the simultaneous sins of omission. While a man is in any act of sinning, he is at the same time violating the command to love God with all his heart and his neighbor as, his, as himself. So there you see uh, commission and omission at the same time operating. If a man uh, sin, if he's sinning, then he's violating loving God. So he's actually sinning, commission, but he's violating loving God, that's omission. So he's doing both at the same time. And these commands do not call for spasmodic obedience, but perpetual and perfect obedience. God commands all men everywhere to repent. And this call is perpetual. Impenitence is not one disobedient for life. But it is a life of disobedience. God calls to love. Repentance, faith, duty are now. And time is composed of atomic nows. In other words... When is it that we're to love God? Now. When is it we're to repent? Now. When is it we are to exercise faith? Now. When is it we're to do duty? Now. In other words, today is the day of salvation. We are to obey God, not tomorrow, not an hour from now, but we're to obey God now at all times. At all times. When we, when our minds 
are filled with the things of the world, we're not loving God. And you know as well as I do that God is not in our hearts and in our minds 24-7. And therefore, we're guilty. We're guilty. He goes on and he says, It is a sin for a man even to eat or sleep or rest until he has obeyed these commands. Well, some of this is so good. Well, I'm not going to leave it out. (laughs) If it is a sin to hate our fellow man for a moment, for an hour, for a day, how much worse for a lifetime? A life of hatred is not one sin but a life of sin. And this being true of all other commands, it follows that the life of a sinner is not only a life of sin, but a life of many sins. Mountains of transgressions, reaching into the cloud, reaching up to heaven. There is not true simply for... This is not true simply for a time, but for all times. In this we discover the continuousness of sin. To transgress the Ten Commandments, each one time would be ten sins. But to transgress them all the time, that is, every time we ought to obey them, would multiply these tenfold transgressions by the countless obligations and opportunities to obey them. And how awful the thought that to transgress one is to be guilty of all, as James tells us. But this continuous repetition of sins gives but a partial view of the extensiveness of sin. He says, let us wade a little deeper. Sin is not only continually repeating itself, but it is continually propagating sins of its kind. Every sin is multiparous. Sin breeds sin as lice and locusts were bred in Egypt. The man who puts up a lying sign to advertise himself or his business and whosoever saw any other kind, may deceive himself by thinking he lied only when he gave the order for the lie to be printed, painted, or published. But does he not lie to everyone who reads it? And if he desires all men to read it, is it not his desire to lie to all men and that continually? The lying advertisement put in all the leading papers are are many. Many amount to millions of lies for every edition. 
and this multiplied by the number of editions, and that increased by the countless repetitions of the same lie by the readers, and this the advertiser earnestly desires, gives us some idea of the multiplying process of one sin. But sin not only multiplies itself multiplicitously, propagating its kind, but also multifariously, begetting sins of other kinds that operate in other forms. It is estimated that there are five parent virtues and five parent vices. The virtues are truth, justice, wisdom, benevolence, and self-control. As far as it's been discovered, truth manifests itself 37 ways. Justice, 22. Wisdom, 28. Benevolence, 51. And self-control, 85. These five parent virtues propagate themselves multifariously into 223 distinct virtues. I refer now to moral virtues. <coughs> the corresponding vices are lack of trust, manifesting itself 88 different ways. In other words, a lie can manifest itself in 88 distinct forms and fashions. Lack of justice, 50. Lack of wisdom, 24. Lack of benevolence, 26. Lack of self-control, 254. Aggregating 452 distinct vices. This doubles the number of virtues, plus 6. Showing the congeniality of the soil for evil. What a brood of multifarious vices from five multifarious vices. Each of these 452 vices is capable of being multiplied indefinitely. If a lie can assume 88 distinct forms and each form multiply itself indefinitely, then what of the man who gives himself to lying, who loves it and who lives on it? who not only exerts himself to the uttermost in telling them, but engages all he can to assist him. The man who has a false measure and sells by the yard lies every time a yard or fraction thereof is sold, whether by himself or his employees. The man who has a false weight and sells by the pound and lies every time a pound or a fraction thereof is sold, whether by himself or his employees. And he longs to sell and tell more, and in that excessive desire there is a world of iniquity. If a man who tries to commit murder and fails is guilty in the sight of God, so are those who desire to practice deception beyond their ability, guilty of all they desire and try to do. Let us look a little further into the analysis and genesis of a lie which is so common and esteemed one of the smallest sins. It, that is a lie, manifests itself generally in the guise of <clears throat> falsehood, untruth, exaggeration, misrepresentation, error, mistake, 
incongruity, incoherence, inconsistency, perjury. Are you shocked at making error a lie? Uzzah was guilty of a pious error when he tried to steady the ark. But God smote him for his error, and he died by the ark of God. Also lied when he tried to, <clears throat> when he acted as though the ark was in danger. In Romans one twenty seven, sodomy is called error, but it says that the guilty ones received the recompense of their error, which was due. James five twenty says, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he who converts a sinner, that is such a sinner, from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. To err from the truth is to lie against the truth, and no lie is of the truth. But let us return to the the analysis, <clears throat> talking about a lie. <coughs> As failing to fulfill a promise, a lie resolves itself into unfaithfulness, treachery, perfidy, procrastination, dilatoriness. As regard to the character of others, a lie becomes vilification, reviling, calumny, distraction, aspersion, defamation, libel, slander, deprecation, disparagement, scandal. Gossip, uh, a scandal, gossip and backbiting. Excuse me, that was part of it. Behold what a great matter a little fire kindled. Through cowardice or sinister motives, in standing well with others, a lie becomes... See, we're still talking about how bad a lie is. A lie becomes compromising, uh, temporizing, time-serving. To get others to stand with us, a lie becomes flattery, undulation, parasitic, psychophonic, fawning, servile. Where there is a want of determination, a lie resolves itself into prevarication, equivocation, evasion, ambiguity, quibbling, cavilling, cavilling vagueness, looseness, indefiniteness. When it aims at, posi- uh, at when it aims to be plausible. It becomes specious, specious, shallow, superficial, sophistical. In pretense, it becomes double-dealing, hypocrisy, insecurity, dissembling, disguising, feigning, simulation, dissimulation, affection. When it becomes stealth or stealing, it is crafty, wily, artful, sly, cunning, deceitful, designing, disingenuous, uh, clandestine, underhanded, intriguing, guileful, conciliating, subtle. When involving fraud, it becomes knavery, imposition, dishonesty. As regard gain, it will cheat, counterfeit, steal, gamble, bet, rob, and even murder. These are the 88 vices belonging to the lying family. How multifarious it operates. How much character has it blasted. How much happiness destroyed. How much of evil surmises, quarrels, fights, laws, suits, murders. How it spreads from heart to heart and from home to home. Hence all liars have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. For without are dogs, sorcerers, and whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, Revelation twenty one eight and twenty two fifteen.
Well, uh, we could read a little bit more, but uh, that should convince you that how bad sin is. And if, if, if any man say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. If a person says he has not sinned, he deceives himself. And we just looked at the sin of lying. What about adultery? What about loving God with all your heart? What about loving your neighbor as yourself? What about keeping the Sabbath day holy? What about not making any graven images? What about children obeying their parents? You see how sin begins at the very beginning of life. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. <coughs> Notice it didn't say if we say we have no sin, somebody has deceived you. We deceive ourselves. That's a sin in itself. To be self-deceived is a sin. To be self-deceived is a sin. And to be willfully deceived intensifies the sin. And according to Romans 1, every individual knows he's a sinner. Listen. <clears throat> Romans 1, beginning at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down or suppress. The word hold there doesn't mean that they they, ha they know the truth or ha have the truth. It means they suppress the truth. So the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, and unrighteousness. And, and men who suppress the truth because that which they, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. All men, that which may be known of God or the fact that God exists is manifested in all men. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him 
It didn't say the creation, though the creation is a manifestation of God. But the invisible things, God's attributes, there has to be an all-powerful being to have created the universe. Now I know some men have hardened their hearts and calloused their minds to such a degree that they uh, profess that there is no God. And some are so uh, hypocritical to say, well, I don't know whether there is a God or not. It may be. I don't have enough evidence to say there is. They're self-deceived. They are self-deceived. They are self-deceived. According to not only Romans, but First John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. There are a lot of people that walk around that are self-deceived. They have this idea, well, uh, you know, I didn't get mad today, so, you know, I had a pretty good day. You know, I didn't lust after anybody, or I didn't try to steal or I didn't try to kill somebody, and so you know I'm, I must be a pretty good, pretty good individual. I didn't sin today. They're self-deceived. They don't know their heart. The older I get, and the more I know about God's Word, the more sinful I see myself. How many times do we bow our heads in prayer talking to God while thinking about something else? That's sinning. That's sinning. And you can multiply the list. Those of you who know yourself to be what you are, You see, in chapter, in verse 7, it talked about that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. But it says, if we have, say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We have to, we have to be careful in looking at these verses. and not try to interpret the whole bible by these verses but interpret the whole these verses by the whole bible we 
cannot do anything to undo sin. If I lie, tell a lie on you, I may repent of that sin and confess that sin to ask uh, to you and ask your forgiveness and you may forgive me but I still committed the sin it did not erase the sin it did not erase the sin in order for sin to be erased and to be able to stand before God holy and without blame and unreprovable in His sight must be through the justifying righteousness of Christ. Not in anything I do. The cleansing from sin, we... we, we we taught this before, but I'm reiterating it. The cleansing from sin in verse 7 is the cleansing from sin by the blood of Christ. Not, be, not that I confessed and therefore uh, uh, not because I walked in the light. And we're going to see the same thing with reference to the next verse. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, the cleansing from sin is not because of our confession. The cleansing of sin is because of the propitiatory sacrifice of Christ which he gets into in the first part of chapter 2. <coughs> but I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Another thing that we must bear in mind is the word confess. It's a compound word. It's called homologio. Now you remember the word logos that we saw in, in the first two verses there? The word logos in the, in the beginning was the word and the word was, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, it's in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1. Well, we talk about the word of life there in the first, first, the first verse. The word, word, is the Greek word logos. So logos just means word. So when I said this word for confess is homo logios, you can hear the logos in the last part of it. The first part is homo. The same. You know, people talk about homosexual, meaning Two people of the same sex. I don't use the term. I hardly. I just say sodomites. That's what God's Word says. 
But homologios is to say the same thing. So when we confess our sins, we say the same thing about our sins that God said. We say the same thing. You see, it's not if I have sinned. We don't go to God and say, God, if I have sinned today, forgive me. (laughs) If I have sinned today, what have we already covered? We sin every hour, every minute, every second. Our life is a life of sin because we're sinners. It's not if I have sinned today. I think there's a song that goes somewhat like that. If I have sinned today, if I have done this, if I have done that, Lord forgive. No, it didn't say if. It says confess. I sinned. I sinned. But then it's not just I sinned. I don't say if I have lied about you, I say I lied about you. If we say the same thing that God says, when we say I lied, we can also say, Lord, I committed idolatry today. Or especially if I coveted, because Ephesians 5 5 and Colossians 3 5 tells us that covet is the same as idolatry. So, Lord, I coveted today. I wanted something I really didn't want. God, I'm guilty of idolatry. That's confessing your sin. That's confessing your sin. Lord, I lusted today. That means that I'm I'm an adulterer by, by nature. I've got adultery in me. Look at Matthew 5, 27 through 28. Lord, I got mad at somebody today and I didn't I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Matthew 5, 21, 22 says, If you've got mad unjustly, you're a murderer. You've got murder in your heart. That's getting down to the brash text of confessing to God what you are by nature. Not just the outward act. You don't need to be forgiven only for the outward act. You need to forgive, be forgiven for who you are and what you are. Not just what you do. You say, well, why are you hounding this? Why are you talking about this so much? John said, I write these things unto you that your joy may be full. How can you have the full joy of the Lord if you're not confessing to God as you ought? Matthew 
Well, we've got more to say about this, but the time has caught up with us. Uh, but I hope you're getting the point. We're sinners. And we need the righteousness of Christ. There's no way that God will accept me for who I am or what I am. Father, we come before You confessing our sins. We are sinners by nature. We're sinners by habit in many, many ways. And we even have sins of ignorance. We're sinning when we don't even know we're sinning. So we need the cleansing righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank You (coughs) that You forgive us based on (coughs) His righteousness. And it is in His name we pray. Amen.